Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. There you'll be with Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> it's the Totoro, Totoro episode of the Bechtel cast. Wow. Oh. That's, you should throw in some music there too, just to mm. really, really hit it home. I'll think about it. I've heard this song a million times. And then it's it's this sort of thing where it's kind of Miyazaki's It's a Small World, where you're like, I appreciate where this song is coming from, but... I do want to walk off a cliff because it's going to be following me around for the next, you know, six days. I'm having a good day today, but the rest <laughs> of the week is going to be rough. I'm fine with it. I <laughs> I will be fine with it. I just, you know, when you hear like a little earworm like that and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And you're like, but it won't be soon. Mm-hmm, but it sure. won't be soon. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to the Bechdel cast. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And this is our podcast where we take a look at your favorite movies using an intersectional feminist lens ever heard of it mm-hmm. yeah and we use the Bechtel test simply as a jumping off point most of the time we forget to pay attention to if the movie passes the Bechtel test or not or at least I do this one does it does so much um the end the episode over <laughs> done by the Bechtel test, of course, being a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test, mm-hmm. in which our version that we use requires that two characters of a marginalized gender have names and they speak to each other and their conversation has to be about something other than a man, ideally for a at least two-line exchange of dialogue and one that is narratively meaningful yeah. Or irrelevant. Not a big deal for, for this week because Mm-mm. we've got, oh my gosh, it's it's my neighbor Totoro week. <gasps> it's it's a part of our Miyazaki ongoing series. Uh, we are going to be kind of just like 
checking in with with Mr. Miyazaki <laughs> over the course of the next several years. So just a quick disclaimer, please don't yell at us if this isn't your favorite of his movies. That's not our problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get Calm around down. to the others. <laughs> I do. There is sometimes a little bit where you're just like, oh, my God. They're like, why didn't you? We were talking about this on the Kiki's episode. They're like, why not Princess Mononoke? I'm like, this isn't a personal vendetta against Princess Mononoke. She will be. But what if there was? What if Caitlin and Princess Mononoke were beefing? We're, like, we're and done so with we just, princess narratives. We quietly don't address it. We'll get around to other Miyazaki movies. These are the three we chose for this year. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we're we're ending strong. Strong oh movie gosh. and a strong guest who can see clearer than he's ever been able to see in his life. <laughs> I mean that mentally and physically. <laughs> yeah. He watched this movie with such clear vision. And that guest, of course, is co-host of The Daily Zeitgeist and for 20 Day Fiancé. You know him from such episodes as The Rock, This Christmas. Yes. What a lineup. It's Miles Gray. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always, always honored and touched when you ask me to be on your very special show. Uh, And I hope to, you know, I just hope to continue my streak of good performances uh, and good, good dialogue, discourse with you both. Mm. Yeah. Everything's riding on this one. There, I know it's funny. You just got so you just got LASIK surgery. I did. I was realizing as we were introducing you, we make it sound like we don't let most of our guests watch the movie uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> with clear vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we add in an obstruction. It's like when you go to a show and you pay less money because you're sitting in front of a pole. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're like, damn. Why was that on the ticket? Like, wow, one half of the Phantom of the Opera was so good at the Pantages. That was <laughs> my experience. Okay. Everything that's on stage right. <laughs> so, Miles, let's get right into it. What's your history with my neighbor Totoro? And let's just say the Miyazaki expanded Studio Ghibli world. Oh, man. Totoro is like one of my favorites. Mm. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm Japanese. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I grew up watching a lot of Miyazaki cartoons. And Totoro is like one of those ones that came out when I was like four or five. So I remember it was so big in Japan, like as it was coming out. And I remember seeing it on like tape. I remember seeing it like with my friend's house. It was me uh, and a few other like family friends were watching it. But Mononoke is like one of my other favorites. So, yeah, I probably would have been like, why are you doing Mononoke? <laughs> Calling in. But... For me, yeah, Totoro is like a very, it's its so pure, mm-hmm. and I, I just like that about it, and it's so Japanese. That's another thing I really like about it is a lot of American people don't always get it when they watch it or think mm-hmm. it's good, <laughs> you know, because it's just so different mm-hmm. from, like, what most animation or most stories are about, like, especially, you know, Western uh, American cinema type stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like it's just one of those things. It's like it's fucking Disney for us in Japan. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, all of it, the entire universe. But yeah, for me, Totoro is like a thing that I've just I don't know. I, I've always like like when I was a kid, I like stuffed animals, mm-hmm. and the scenes were like the scale of Totoro. Like as a kid, I was like, that's that's all I want. I I just wanted a Totoro friend. I just too. wanted I want a sentient pillow. <laughs> Yeah, I want a big pillow that yells at me and then, and yeah. then calls the bus. Oh, Totoro is so cool. 
Yeah, and yeah. And the cat bus. I kind of forgot about the cat bus. Oh, my God. When the cat bus comes Neckle back bus, around, you're yeah. like, oh. Did you guys, when you watched it, were you watching it dubbed? Or are you watching it with subtitles? How do you how do you take it in? So I watched the English dub, the like Disney one from 2005. Yeah, the Fanning Sisters. Yes, dub. but I grew up watching the original English dub, which I have a little anecdote about when we get into my history with the movie. Mm. I watched the first half of it in Japanese the other day. And then I needed to take a nap, and then I just watched the rest. Not because <laughs> I was just tired. But- Jesus <laughs> Christ, Caitlin. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I was just tired, and then I um, watched the rest of it in English. But I do want to go back and like watch the entire thing in Japanese with English subtitles. So I've never seen the Miyazaki not in Japanese, which was mm. so wild when oh, I was wow. when you asked me to do it. I was like, oh, maybe I should, like, I only know it in Japanese. Like, maybe I should just check it out. And part of me was like, no, I'm just going to watch it in Japanese again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm always curious how, how people take it in. Sure. I watched it with the dub first, and then I watched the uh, original Japanese version second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I mean, I liked them both, but I always, I mean, it's always better to watch a movie not dubbed. <laughs> like, even yeah, if the dub course. is pretty good, which I thought the fan ex- sister dub is like it's fine it's it's mm-hmm. cute but it's always better wait oh that's what you meant that wait what it's dakota and l yes fanning. dakota and l fanning when they were like 10 like 11 and 7 or so something. this is my other thing with my personal history with miyazaki stuff i have no idea what's happening with it in the u.s like i don't mm. whenever i hear about it it's because i'm hearing about it through my cultural pulse in japan mm-hmm. versus like how it's happening here so i have no i had no fucking idea that ellen dakota fanning were okay yeah good mm-hmm. now I'm, now i might have to hear it it was i thought l fanning especially did a really really good job as as may she was mm-hmm. really cute oh, okay um and the ursula the sea witch does granny pat carroll pat carroll so yep oh shit okay it's a fun dub cast yeah it's it's reverberating with my american brain now i'm like Okay, I know those voices, and those are iconic. That's good casting right there. Mm-hmm. It's fun cast, yeah. And then the only other, and then we don't. It's it's just like very Disney casting, but they did cast um, Scooby Doo as Totoro, and the Cat Bus. <laughs> yeah, Frank Welker. Frank Welker, icon, legend. Okay. okay. King Scooby himself. <laughs> okay, Scoobs. Um, Jamie, what is your history in relationship with Totoro? Uh, not very extensive. I think that I saw this movie maybe once or twice as a kid. As I was watching it back, I'm like, no, I do- I've definitely seen this before. Um, I guess I would have been seeing, I-, I don't know. It could have been either of the dubs because the, the there was a dub done in 93 and then again in 2005. I don't really remember. I remember really liking it, but I was just such a, a Kiki's Delivery Service stan that if we were going to watch a Miyazaki movie, Kiki was always going to be my choice. But it was really, really fun to watch. I've never, I don't think I'd seen it as an adult. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to go back and watch as an adult. It's just like the sweetest, most perfect thoughtful movie i don't know i just really love it it's beautiful it is it feels it truly it just feels like a i don't know a blanket (laughs) it feels like a totoro is hugging you yeah it does it does it's so wild because it's like oh i sort of associate sometimes i'm like every time i see totoro i'm like 
what is there a sale at Hot Topic? Because Miyazaki <laughs> stuff is so popular there. Like, I, I think of Totoro as being in the window of Hot Topic when I walk by at the Glendale Galleria. Right. But he's so much more. Well, it's funny because, like, it was just a... When it first came out, like they were not really interested in marketing it at all mm-hmm. in the U.S. because there was so much that people were like they're bathing together. Oh, like we can't like <laughs> that was a huge thing that a lot of the studios I think wanted taken out like in the American mm-hmm. versions of it. Mm-hmm. But like as a character, like in Japan, like Totoro is like visually so like iconic that it's funny that here it's sort of distilled into like only fandoms of people who are like really into anime and stuff. Mm-hmm. That yeah, like it's more of a hot topic when it should be i mean it should be it should be coming down the macy's thanksgiving day parade i mean that's <laughs> oh, right. i mean it probably has Has though, he? Know, i feel like he anyway. should i was like i hope so wait yeah. gotta, gotta, gotta look into this did you know that as far as licensed merchandise sales this movie has made 1.1 billion u.s dollars in revenue from licensed merchandise. Not surprised at all, baby. That's like globally? I think, yeah. Mm. Wow. So Honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if it were even higher because I feel like most people who, even if you haven't seen this movie, you know who Totoro is and what he looks like. Exactly. Yeah, but it is great because it's like the sort of iconography where the story also like lives up to it, where the story is Mm -hmm. so beautiful and we were talking about this with kiki's too but like this era of miyazaki movies are like fantastic but also very very grounded where it's like oh yeah this is a story about kids trying to adjust to a new home and having a sick parent like that's yeah. mm-hmm. just like dealing with really really heavy stuff and then also totoro and cat bus and it's not like oh my god the the nuclear power plant is coming to tear down Totoro's home and we have to save it, which is like what I think most kids store, like we're used to is like, what's the gigantic fucking behemoth conflict? Right. And like, right. who's the bad guy and who's the good guy? And I think that was, an, I remember as a kid, like I seeing it with like an American friend of mine and they just, they did it. They're like, this is dumb. It's <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. I mean, it's, it is it's cool. <laughs> Stop! There's so much. (laughs) He gave them the umbrella, and he didn't even know what to say. Just true altruism. You wouldn't fucking know about that because this country's fucked. (laughs) Right? There's collective values. (laughs) It's like a it's a character driven story in the way that most children's media or like family media is not very character driven. There's always, especially for like American, yeah media like intended for like children and family audiences it's always like some yeah some big com like you know you're like fern gully they're tearing down the rainforest kind of thing right i um, love fern gully though same yeah i mean you know the stories like yeah. that are perfectly valid as well but i i do love that of the miyazaki movies i've seen they are all just like kind of quiet character studies that also have really cool fantasy elements and uh, Mm -hmm. mythology incorporated in the narratives and beautiful imagery, of course, but they're just like, and what if we just kind of examine the lives of these two sisters for 90 minutes? Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. What's your history with this movie? Yes. um, I watched this movie every time I went to visit my 
grandmother and it is the only fond memory I have of spending any time with my grandmother who uh, was a terrible person. Um, (laughs) But it's fine because I have Totoro because of it. Thank you. Okay. Swap swap it out. Um, But she had it on VHS. So that was just like the activity there was to do at my grandma's house. Wait, why did she have Totoro? I'm not sure. That's like just so I guess those things are really interesting to me because I feel like most grandparents like American grandparents had like the soft box Disney VHS tapes mm-hmm. like yeah. at their house, you know, like get like, real dirty and stinky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sticky is just covered in nonsense. Whereas like right. your grandma's like, I'm cultured, man. You want some you want some Miyazaki shit? <laughs> Which is hilarious because my grandma was also otherwise completely uncultured um, and <laughs> right. like a Fox wow, News. Get her ass scary person I'm, I'm i'm here to get my grandma's <laughs> on this episode me next she, me next <laughs> but so anyway uh that was like my favorite movie that she had on vhs at her place because she did have a couple other you know i think like disney movies and stuff like that but i was like i we didn't have totoro at home so i was like this is my chance to watch it and i just like fell in love with it Especially because the dynamic between the two sisters was very similar to the dynamic I had with my sister. I, mm. I'm like the older sister. I'm three years older than my sister, Sarah. And it was like a very similar, like, she looked up to me the way that May looks up to Satsuki. I had to, like, look out for my younger sister the way that Satsuki has to look out for May a lot of the time. I also lived in a very rural area and was always mm. just, like, traipsing around the woods and stuff like that. I so desperately wanted to go into the woods and find a Totoro friend and be best friends. And like, this was a fantasy I had as a kid. I wanted so badly to ride around on a cat bus. Like this movie connected with me in a very major way Mm -hmm. as a kid. And then I kind of fell off of it uh, as I got into like my teen years and stuff. But I rediscovered it as an adult a couple years ago and I was like, oh, right, this is like the best movie ever made. I love it so much. Um, I do have a little Totoro enamel pin that I will share. And I'm also thinking about getting a Totoro tattoo. We'll see. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, so Caitlin's you're on a tattoo binge this year. She's yeah, really about that it. life. I'm I'm cool now. <laughs> you get a bunch of tattoos this year. Yeah. What are the tattoos you got? I got a Titanic one. Oh, dope. I got a quote from Paddington Two. Okay. If we are kind and polite, the world will be right. And I got uh-huh. the Mad Max Fury Road war rig. Oh shit! Oh, All my... within the past year, dude. And then you need the Neko bus coming at the Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's just straight up head-on collision. Whatever. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Look, I'm not here to. You know, that's it's your art, man. It's your art. Your art. Yeah, no, you know, no, no. That, it's not. Between it's, you and your tattoo artist, you know, between you and your tattoo artist. I'm making the appointment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be like a Miyazaki, like a specialist tattoo, right? Because I know there's like shit like that for Disney tattoos. Right. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Okay. Should I do the recap of My Neighbor Totoro? Please do. Let's do it. Okay. We meet Satsuki and her younger sister, May. They are traveling with their dad, Mr. Kusakabe, to their new house in the countryside of Japan. I think the year is like 1955, I read. It's post-war, yeah, kind of rural Japan. On the way, they run into some neighbors, including a young neighbor boy who we will learn his name is Kanta. 
they all arrive at their new house and start exploring. Outside, they notice a huge tree in the nearby forest. Their dad tells the girls it's a camphor tree. Inside the house, they find a bunch of acorns. And they also see a bunch of little black dust bunnies or like dust gremlins that seem alive and sentient and they scatter when you turn on the lights. They're similar to Spirited Away. Yes. Yeah, the soot balls yeah. in Spirited mm-hmm. Away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Satsuki and May search for more of these little dust spirits. Their neighbor, Granny, comes by and she's like, oh yeah, those are soot spreaders. And she mentions that their house is possibly haunted, but that that's not like a bad or scary thing. Everyone's excited about them living in a haunted house. We see Satsuki May and their dad cleaning the house and settling in. And then one night we see the soot spirits float away into the night sky. The family then heads into town to visit Satsuki and May's mom, who is in the hospital. She is ill, but she's been feeling better and will hopefully be able to come home soon. Then Satsuki goes off to school and May stays home because she's not old enough for school yet. So she's just kind of occupying herself around the house. She finds a trail of acorns, which she follows. Mm. That leads her to this little spirit, this little white fluffy thing with kind of pointy bunny-like ears. Just a little friend. Just a little friend. It's translucent. It's bobbing around. And May starts following it, but loses it for a moment. But then she sees it again and a bigger spirit bobbing around. This one's blue and white, and it's carrying a bag of acorns. And May follows them both into the woods and into the depths of this giant camphor tree that they saw, where she meets Totoro. Who is... The maximum Totoro. The biggest Totoro. Biggest yeah. t- the Totoro you've seen thus far, yes. The Charizard of Totoros. <laughs> yes. He's big and furry. He's so cute. I would die for Totoro and I would kill for Totoro. Holy shit. Hey, every time Totoro is, uh, you know, he does a lot of like, ah, like he yells a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. And every time I see Totoro yelling, I, I think it's very like sweet (laughs) the kids are like not afraid of that if i was a kid i would be uh crying uh (laughs) with his giant teeth like (laughs) like, i was like okay if if may uh slips even a little but uh but uh i was always like wow totoro must have like pretty good breath i'm always thinking about like what does his breath smell like because that Mm -hmm. because even if you're not afraid of the big old teeth you would think that the breath might not be good he was sleeping but maybe what what does a totoro's breath smell like he's fresh those are like these weird story tropes that are like reinforced that we like expect right like as kids we're like oh the thing the giant thing is showing its teeth and in my you know history of looking at stuff as a kid like that means danger usually if Mm -hmm. a big thing shows you its teeth and i was like and the kid's not afraid okay weirdo and then the other thing would be like P.U. is like the next right, thing, right. like like these sort of storytelling habits that we're used to. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and that wasn't there. And I'm like, so this big fucker was like had pleasant breath and the teeth were, I mean, right? teeth were beautiful. They were immaculate, to so be honest. They weren't fangy. straight and yeah. clean. Oh, hygiene. And, yeah, well, it's because we've probably. seen like Shrek. 
Okay. And <laughs> Shrek keeps coming up these last couple of weeks. Shrek keeps coming up. But there's that scene in Shrek where, like, he's baring his teeth and he's scaring off, like, the villagers. And you see, like, right. all this goo come out of his mouth. And everyone's like, Shrek's gross. And then later, so Donkey yeah. is like, you need a mint and stuff like that. So <sighs> wild. But this is nothing like Shrek. Totoro is fresh. It goes against everything. Totoro, it blows up everything we thought about big creatures. You exactly. Know? It's true. Pleasant smelling docile as hell it's true and then may is just like all right i think i'm gonna take a nap <laughs> yeah. so sweet. She, she becomes best friends with totoro and the other little totoros totoro is just kind of like napping and chilling and yeah he wakes up and he yells a little bit but she's like i love that for you and we are best friends she's like oh that's your name cool good night yeah. <laughs> all right <laughs> and then later that day satsuki comes home from school and finds may sleeping in the middle of the woods and she wakes up and she's like, where's Totoro? He was right here and he's my best friend. And Satsuki and their dad are like, we believe you. And also we should go give the forest spirits a proper greeting. So they go into the woods and pay their respects to the camphor tree. But the opening that May had kind of tumbled into where she found Totoro is now closed. Um, and their dad is like, oh, it's probably because the, the forest spirits don't want to be seen right now. And then Satsuki is all bummed out because she wants to see Totoro and friends, too. Mm-hmm. Then Satsuki goes to school. P.S. That neighbor boy, Kanta, is there in class with her. And he has a big crush on Satsuki. Yeah. And then May shows up to the schoolhouse. <laughs> I love this part. It's so sweet. So Granny is babysitting May because their dad is, I think, in Tokyo teaching at a university. Mm. And May wants to be with Satsuki. So she stays at school with Satsuki until the end of the day. And then on the walk home from school, it starts raining heavily. Kanta walks by, gives them his umbrella because, again, he loves Satsuki. It's very cute. And then Satsuki and May return home and notice that their dad left his umbrella so they head out to meet him at the bus stop. Um, they return Kanta's umbrella on the way. And at the bus stop, they wait, they wait. Their dad's bus isn't coming. But then who does show up but mm-hmm. Totoro. Yeah. May has fallen asleep, but Satsuki has a fun interaction with him. Uh, he gives them this little pouch of acorns. And then a cat bus shows up. And Totoro gets on the bus that is also a cat and it runs off. <laughs> just takes a different line than them (laughs) exactly satsuki and may return home they plant the acorns in their mom's garden but nothing grows until one night when totoro shows up with his little totoros and they all raise their arms and their umbrellas and their leaves up in the sky and then the seeds start to sprout and another huge camphor tree grows it's so uh, that scene is beautiful like so just beautiful. looks so beautiful and sounds so beautiful and the music in this movie is incredible yeah um and then totoro gets on this flying top and he and satsuki and may and the little totoros fly around and play instruments And the next morning, the tree is not there, but the little seedlings have started to sprout. I just love how whimsical the description is. And I'm like, yep, I love this. Like, (laughs) And they take a magical top to the highest tree Mm -hmm. and they play their (laughs) instruments under the moonlight. You know, and I'm like, oh, man, that was fucking great. I love that part. That part is going to be awesome. (laughs) Everything in this, like the... 
I don't know. Like there's there's plenty of moments where in this movie where things are urgent, but like how urgency is conveyed in Miyazaki movies is just different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even with like little things where how granny <laughs> granny brings May to school because she's like, yeah, I don't know. She just like won't stop. She just crying. wanted to come to school. <laughs> Sorry. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I guess why not? And then the teacher is just like very sweet about it. It's like, yeah, come in. And like it just mm-hmm. these things that, again, I think, Miles, you're totally right of just like these story conventions you don't even realize that like yeah. you expect of something being a big conflict. And then it's like, no, let's just deal with it. Our instinct is like, oh no, like you can't have your sister at school. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like it's completely inverted. And the teacher's like, their mother's really sick, you know, and it's a terrible situation. Please, everyone, be really kind to them. Okay. Yeah, and everyone and all the kids are like, "Yep," and then they are. Yeah, Sounds and great. Couple of you are like, "Man, we get bullied to shit." Right. I feel like in most Western movies, it would have there would have been like some kid with frosted tips that was like, "Yeah, your mom is what?" <laughs> yeah, pours glue on her head. Right. 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 Like, right. What the fuck? But like it's like no, most kids are pretty sweet. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. That's very thoughtful. And then they get a telegram from the hospital. Their mom was supposed to come home that weekend, but she's not feeling well, so she can't come home anymore, which really upsets May and Satsuki. Satsuki kind of takes out her upset on May and calls her a baby and tells her to grow up. Uh, and then May sets off without Satsuki knowing, presumably to go to the hospital to take their mom an ear of corn to make her feel better, which is so sweet. That's so cute. And then when Satsuki realizes that May is gone and, like, lost, she starts frantically running around trying to find her. The whole village is looking for her. Everyone's worried that May might have died. And then... Satsuki goes to Totoro's tree and asks if he can help her find Mei. And Totoro is like, of course, I'll help, except without using words. But he is more than happy to help. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, friend. thank you. He, Totoro summons his cat bus friend and Satsuki gets inside cat bus. And cat bus is like, next stop, Mei. And then they race across the countryside until they reach Mei. She and Satsuki reunite. It's really nice. And then Catbus takes them to the hospital where they kind of watch their mom through the window and she's doing fine. And then Satsuki and May ride back home in Catbus. And there's like a few kind of like credit images of like their mom returning home and them all spending time together and Totoro's doing stuff in the woods. Granny's mm-hmm. relieved. Everyone is happy that May's safe. Yes. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And that's the story. So let's take a quick break and we will come right back to discuss. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Uh, Man, it's Caitlin and I were texting before we started recording we're like every i liked everything there (laughs) starting with i mean the and this is something that because this is our third episode on miyazaki movies you know we we, again we have girls centered in the story Mm -hmm. and specifically in this one i think it's kind of like an a bonus because it's like two sisters relating to each other and Mm -hmm. you know they are in conflict almost constantly because they're siblings and that is how that works um but you can also tell like there's this huge genuine love between them like there's it's it's just so like i don't know presented matter of fact it's like effortless how Miyazaki's able to center kids and kids stories and and them relating to each other and also like prioritizing girls which is um mm-hmm. in in a just a very matter of fact 
way where this could have easily been brothers or a brother and a sister or you're right. kind of any combination of siblings and yeah totally i think it's great perfect no notes um yeah and especially the relationship between the sisters it felt again so authentic it felt very reflective of like the relationship dynamic between me and my younger sister although i was far less patient and supportive of my (laughs) younger sister as a kid because I was a little asshole but um I love that you see like a version of a a sibling dynamic where the older sister is very patient and is very supportive and the younger sister clearly looks up to Satsuki but again this is not without conflict and the conflict that does exist between them feels very authentic and everything is just happening very organically despite there also being like forest spirits that they are always on the lookout for and like hoping to meet and interact with. And I remember like the part where they go to pay the respects at the camphor tree and the idea of like your younger sister getting to see something or do something before you, the older sibling. And like when Satsuki's all like, oh, but I want to see Totoro too and I was like oh I know what that feels like because anytime Mm -hmm. like my sister got to do something and I didn't I was like oh what the fuck yeah (laughs) right fucking saw Totoro you (laughs) (laughs) but it's just like it's these little moments that are captured in the movie and just like watching the way the characters handle them and just like right showing these just everyday moments that are just like so familiar and beautiful and cool things like the corn yeah and like the like mom's gonna sleep in my bed and like Mm -hmm. brush my hair and like just like those like wait your turn those competitive you know it's like (laughs) there's an order get in line okay mom's brushing my (laughs) hair first and plus it's wavy like hers used to be asshole sit down yeah Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it's so great there yeah there is something just the the pacing of very japanese too you know of just Mm. gonna set the table set the just so you like really anchor it wherever you are and for me like you're saying there are a lot Mm. of familiar things that you saw me spending so much time as a kid in japan like in the summer too yeah like where a lot of this is taking place was really fun to see and there's so many of these like little moments that he shows that are like are really just even from animation or sense memories like when they're going up to the attic to, to go up the stairs, like the way May comes down the stairs like slowly or they go up them climbing them mm-hmm. is because staircases are so steep in Japan. They're like fucking ladders basically uh-huh. that like when you're a kid, like you don't have the fucking balance to be like confidently walk upstairs. You're going to like <laughs> crawl step by step to get up because you could fall down. Like I've, I remember falling downstairs as a kid because it was they mm-hmm. were too steep. And, yeah. like, watching, you know, the kids navigate the steps was, like, a thing that I'm, like, oh, shit. Like, yes. Like, you know, especially as, as I watch it again, because it's been at least 10 years since I've seen this after, like, until mm-hmm. I rewatched it recently. Yeah. Um, or them, like, falling asleep in the summer, like, on, like, the tatami floor, just, like, mm-hmm. passed out because you're hot and you're a kid and you just fucking just, pat, just knock out because it's hot. And the right. long playing of, like the cicadas like just sort of you know singing Mm -hmm. those are just such like very you know specific things but they're done so like you know they're very effortless and it's just like and here we are just showing you these slices of life but each single one like every i don't know that they're they're really efficient in what they convey every single time there's like not a wasted Mm -hmm. frame really in that sense 
Right. Yeah. And yeah, I love that attention to detail to some like very specific Japanese things, but that like also feel familiar to anyone watching. Yeah. The food again, there we talked about this in Kiki's as well, but anytime that there's food prepared in a Miyazaki movie, there it there's just like such attention to detail and you get hungry. Yeah. Mm. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I could, I could hear those vegetables being chopped properly. Like, oh, yeah, like, those are like fresh. when they crunch down on the cucumbers. Oh, oh yeah, that's so good. And like, I was watching it with, uh, you know, my wife, and when they were putting <laughs> the wow, his wife, that, okay. his wife, you know, my wow big wife comes back full around. circle, <laughs> full circle. And she loves cucumbers, but for me, like seeing there's like a very folkloric image in japan of like putting vegetables in a cold stream like that's like a very Mm -hmm. like it's like even used in marketing there like this is how fresh these vegetables are man they're in a bamboo basket in this like stream like that's like you know like the version of like in america's like the heartland type stuff like in japan like this cooling stream has brought these fresh vegetables out and she was like is that that's that's real. I'm like, I mean, if you live by one, yeah, for sure. And she's like, I want a mm-hmm. river cucumber. And I'm like, yeah, we all do. We all do. Oh, I bet it's so refreshing. Someday. Yeah. Someday. And the way even like the granny's like, oh, I think they're ready. Like, mm-hmm. they're, <laughs> what? Like, there's even a perfect time that you, like, I thought we were just cooling them off in the stream. Okay. <sighs> Granny knows. Yeah, she does. Granny's awesome. <laughs> a couple other things about the relationship between the sisters that again just like felt very grounded and relatable and authentic i guess just the idea of like satsuki kind of having to take on a somewhat like mothering and caregiver role for both Mm -hmm. her younger sister may and their dad Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's such a relatable thing for a family dynamic like that where the mom is absent for whatever reason and it's like the the eldest sibling's responsibility to kind of take on a lot of that maybe like domestic chore stuff and because we see yeah uh, satsuki you know preparing lunches for everybody and again just always looking out for may you know bringing dad the umbrella he forgot kind of thing because mm-hmm. we talk about like female characters doing domestic things in movies especially in like american or western movies and the way that's often presented as a way of like well of course because women do domestic stuff but in a story like this the way it's presented it's just like well of course like these things need to be done and satsuki is the one to do them because she it just like that's just kind of what makes sense although i guess you could make the argument that like yeah why isn't their dad doing more stuff? And why does he always seem to be not knowing where his kids are? But I sort of thought that like, I do think that some of that, it has to do with like the 1950s of it, where I feel like we're, it kind of like pings for people of our generation to be like, why are these kids just wandering around? (laughs) Right. But I'm pretty sure all of our parents were like, just allowed to wander around. (laughs) But this is before the internet. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, everyone's a a murderer. Right. 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 They're like, just be back by sunset. Which I'm just like, wild that you all made it. Good for you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because... seems risky but um but I, I i thought that they threaded the needle of the dad sort of having to operate as a single dad for a period of time i thought pretty pretty realistically where it's like he's definitely mm-hmm. not 
killing it where it's like and they add it in those moments of like he forgot about lunch and like he's trying to bat like he's it's single parent stuff right. single dad stuff that you don't see often on screen anyways and also i think that it's like especially i mean i think you usually see it with single mothers but like the single parent portrayed as like a superhero too and it's like no it's like fucking yeah, hard and you know yeah. things are gonna be dropped mm-hmm. and that's not fair to either of the children certain like certainly not satsuki who has to kind of pick up the slack but i did i mean you do see the dad trying right like he, he's doing laundry with them he's cooking some of the time and then like kind of phoning it in other times it just felt like a thoughtful portrayal and also yeah. it's like of course he wouldn't have been used to doing everything because we know that it's a relatively new situation that their mother isn't well right. so it's like he's getting used to and patriarchy out there man gender roles that, are that too. even now like in japan i mean it's 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 not you know it those those roles are pretty defined so like in that way like yeah i'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure their dad was a little bit like oh boy uh, <laughs> cooking yeah ah Whereas, like, I feel like the modern version now would be like, I'm just going to go to the convenience store where I can get everything pre-made. And, mm-hmm. like, and like when you see, like, modern sort of, like, Japanese dramas of, like, bumbling dad kind of thing, it's like everything's bought at the store. Like, that just has to be microwaved is the mm-hmm. version now mm-hmm. because <laughs> men don't got no cooking skills. <laughs> but their dad's also, like, so sweet and wonderful with them. And there's he's one... He's trying. Yeah. He's trying. A scene that really struck me was the scene where where may has just befriended the totoros but then like falls asleep and when she wakes up she's kind of closer to the house and the totoros are gone and she's like i swear i saw them they were right here and i'm not lying this is not a lie and both satsuki and her dad are like we believe you and in fact probably the reason they're not here anymore is that they don't want to be seen Mm -hmm. but let's go pay our respects and then they go to the camphor tree and to the the shrine and they say thank you for looking after may and again we are so conditioned by american media where if this happened in a western story it would be like no i swear i saw totoro and the elder sister and the parent would be like yeah right you silly little kid you fool those things aren't real and we don't believe you and it would take like so long into the story you'll see (laughs) right and then she comes home she's like totoro's my boyfriend now Totoro just got out of jail for stealing catalytic converters and he got a teardrop tattoo because he had to shank a snitch. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, and I'm hooked on jewel pods, Dad. What now? So it's like euphoria. <laughs> yeah. Totoro at euphoria high. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, and that goes back to the very beginning when both of the kids are like, we live in a haunted house. And Dad is like, Awesome. Cool. I love haunted houses. In my dream. Right. Yeah, it's like this parental like jujitsu where it's like the children's energy, <laughs> like I or like Aikido, like I'm gonna just redirect it right back at you in a positive way. Cause I think again, mm. it's almost like as a Western writer, there's no way you'd write a scene where a little kid sees a mythical creature, tries to tell the adults, mm-hmm. and then they're like, Oh wow, cool. Right. That's great. It's normally like 
that's like this like habitual storytelling thing we're used to. It's like, well, this is what happens when you tell the adults about the mythical thing. They don't fucking believe you. And in fact, they're going to tell you, they're going to ridicule you. Yeah. And gaslight you and be like, yeah, that's not right. what you saw or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which is so interesting to see like over and over there are these moments. I'm sure if you're watching like only watching like Western cartoons or storytelling, like you see this and you're like, what the fuck was a supporting ass dad and teacher and fucking classmates? And right, shit? it's so refreshing. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's really, really nice. So nice. And then I wanted to jump back to part of what especially worked for me about like the even though Sotsky has to take on some kind of like caregiver slash domestic chores, you know, picking up that slack, that worked for me especially because she's still allowed to be a kid in so many of the scenes and like the story doesn't make her into this like that you know precocious child thing where she's wise beyond her years and she's abandoned any semblance of being a kid because she still like wants to see the spirits and she gets to see them and she's young enough that she's able to because it's implied that like adults can't see yeah. The Totoros or the cat bus or anything like that. They just like perceive it as a gust of wind when the cat bus is running by. Mm. But she's young enough to be able to see. And you're like, oh, is that what Polar Express stole it from? <laughs> is it <laughs> is Polar Express Maybe? stealing cat bus? Starting um, a beef. But yeah, she's like, she she has this, you know, like childlike curiosity and imagination and all these you know childlike qualities that are appropriate for her age and even like her parents comment on like yeah she does act super grown up but like you know she's still just a kid and um we see that scene where they learn about her their mom not being able to leave the hospital and they're both really upset by it but like may responds in a way that's that tracks for a much younger like a four-year-old where she like cries Mm. and you know, doesn't really know how to comprehend this because she had this idea, oh, mom's coming home and I'm going to get to see her, mm-hmm. where her Sotsky corn. has a clearer understanding of what must be going on, but she's still upset by it. Mm-hmm. And she ends up kind of like catastrophizing. And she's like, well, what if mom's already dead? And and I'm going to yell at my younger sister and call her a baby and tell her to grow up. And it just like, again, a very like appropriate reaction for whatever like a nine or ten year old however however old Satsuki's supposed to be but like I don't know I just love that like she was able to like still be a kid and like her her choices and actions and behaviors still tracked for the kid that she is so yeah I just loved it yeah I mean it's like in watching her finally reach that breaking point and like the Mm -hmm. another aspect of this movie that I really love is the like community aspect where Mm -hmm. it seems like class-wise I was like oh this is interesting I should have done more research on like the exact moment that this is depicting um but it you know they're kind of like a I guess like middle class to some extent family they've um moving into a uh countryside sort of lower income area Mm -hmm. the only way that attention's really called to it is that on um like harvest days some of the kids who go to the school have to work so there's no school and um Satsuki doesn't do that she's she's like new here and and doesn't really participate in that area of it but Mm -hmm. that's how they end up meeting granny who immediately just like becomes this extension 
of their the family. family yeah. In a way that's like, and and I really loved that when Sotsky does reach her breaking point, that like it's Granny who's there for her and like hugs her and is like, "Don't worry, I'll stay." And mm-hmm. it just, uh, what an angel! I loved Granny, and I just loved in general how their community is there to support the girls kind of like no questions asked mm-hmm. yeah um where again it's like in in western media i feel like you would get more slammed doors um and yeah. that just doesn't happen oh your sister's missing chasing a totoro yeah all right kid <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> shut like that's what it is hi i need help yeah. fuck you like, right. that's kind of the dynamic we're conditioned to i need help fuck you yeah, fuck exactly. you kid <laughs> yeah now it's like i need help let me strip down to my very traditional japanese underwear and get the bamboo poles out because we found a sandal by the pond mm-hmm. yeah it's so and i guess that's what's so interesting too is like i grew up it's it's interesting to, to have these dualities like even in my mind i grew up very much thinking like a ja- like raised japanese where like neighbors look after you 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 help each other like it's very community oriented mm-hmm. it's always about putting the the group before yourself first obviously to detrimental levels at times societally mm-hmm. but like and then the other side which americans so much like you know you got to take care of yourself you know yeah. like, you got to figure it out you know like we figure stuff out here pick yourself up by your bootstraps and bull. yeah and like mm-hmm. not to say that there's no sense of community but the way our stories are told, it's usually about an individual triumphing despite everything. Mm-hmm. It's not always like, look at these people come together and think this is how life is for us. Like right. it's always like, no man, despite all the fuck yous, they figured it out. And that just right. shows you how strong you gotta be, because everyone's gonna say, Fuck you. Right. <laughs> like on your way there. And in in the US, sometimes that's very true. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. And then in this story, it's about like a community rallying together and like everyone's looking for may in the third act of this movie and then you have totoro i was like totoro is like, an extension of that community too like the, sp- right, the spiritual right. community like also shows up for them in this like no questions asked kind of way it's fucking mutual aid group yeah. you know what i mean it's like let me hit up the neko bus <laughs> fucking faction real quick they're <laughs> Really good at finding lost people. Great group of activists. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be here in They're a like, second. Don't worry about it. This, don't worry about it. You know what? It. We protect we us. Okay, Satsuki, we protect us. That's how this works. Mom. And Totoro is part of the community because everyone respects. There's no fear. The spirits. And, yeah. And the Totoros and the cat. But like everyone's just like, yeah, it's awesome that this house is haunted. And yes, we have to go pay our respects to yeah. the spirits who look out for us. And There's even like a line too that's like, again, if you were, this was like a Pixar film, right? If the little, like there would have been a boy or child who cried wolf moment if someone got lost and the community got together and even bother to look. Then like, it's not even her sandal. Yeah. Ah, what the hell? I could have blah, blah, blah. And there would have been a lot of grumbling. Gotta go and watch the you football ne- game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, the next time you needed help, that would have been a barrier to that character to been like, well, I can't ask because the last time, because there is in the Japanese version, I, I, there might be in the, the subtitled or dubbed version where they're saying like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just what mm-hmm. we got to do. Like, it could have been anybody. Right. And like, that was like the sentiment that the group, it, like, yeah, there was some frustration, but at the end of it, they're like, nah, it's all right. Like, it, whatever. Like, this is what we got. Like, right, it is what right. it is. There is that part where someone's like, when it turns out to not be May's sandal in the pond, someone's like, it's okay. Granny just got carried away again. It's like, 
Aw, that made me sad. Yeah, but you're like that. They're like <laughs> treating this older woman. You know, this hysterical old woman. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the she's still missing. Like, what do you? Where? What? <laughs> they're like, oh my right. god. Right, like she was right <laughs> to be concerned. All right, did you call cat bus? <laughs> okay, then why are we? F- you didn't call cat bus. That's you the f- first okay. call you make. The first call you make a missing kid. You call cat bus. Wasting my fucking time. <laughs> oh, oh my. god. God, all right. I love Granny. Granny fucking rules. And I feel like Granny and Totoro are like the two strongest allies of the girls in their neighborhood. But everyone's their ally in the neighborhood. Like it, it is like such a Kanta. communal Kanta. I love I that. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let's switch to Kanta world because I thought that that was yet another thing that in a, you know, he has a crush on Satsuki. It's really sweet, but it doesn't like it just kind of is like mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be in a way that felt like really age appropriate for those characters that would be whatever, like fifth or sixth grade aged where it's like, I have a crush. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to act weird and be helpful. And like, <laughs> right. uh-huh. and Satsuki also clearly doesn't know what to do with it. And it's just like, OK, it's going to be a very sweet friendship. Like, I just uh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I like too that like. The male character in this is in the beginning just reduced to grunting and groaning. <laughs> like this motherfucker doesn't even have lines. He's like, Ugh, Ugh, for Granny, from Mom. Ah! <laughs> like, okay, bro. It's just Thanks. like the silent baker husband in uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah. Where at the end you're like, oh, he can talk. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and great. I love that because yeah. he doesn't need to do much more than that. Like, we get it just from his very efficient groaning and love you know, an one word, groan. simple sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your umbrella. <laughs> and she's like, "Thank you, thank you. Thanks. You're so kind." He's like, <laughs> "That reminds me so much of like, yeah, my like best friend growing up, where we just like." had crushes on each other but we were also just like never mind and then we'd just be like all right see you later right, Bye. right, right, right oh right. my god <laughs> like shake hands or whatever uh, <laughs> yep uh let's take another quick break and then we'll come back for more discussion hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Um, Shall we talk about another way that this movie kind of inverts um, Western tropes that that I am conditioned to expect, which is how the mom is treated in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, again, just like a very thoughtful and interesting way of having, because we most movies that, you know, if you grew up watching Disney Renaissance movies, you're used to a mother's absence, but in a way that is barely acknowledged. And it's almost like she was just like, bloop, like, her absence right. is, I don't know, like, it, that's like the tropiest thing in the world. We, we've talked about it to death on this show. In this movie, you do have a mother who is mostly absent. They don't, they do not kill her off, um, mm-hmm. but she is sick. And but What but you're like, bracing for, I think, as a Western story watcher is like, when's the mom going to die? Because, you know, that's how the characters become interesting. Or I, I was always like, right. I think ever since Bambi, I'm like, the mom's going to die. The mom's going to die. Like, Being a mother is a huge liability in children's <laughs> media. It's just like yep. you can't you're you're right. fucked. Yeah. Uh, but but in this, I, I I love how it's handled where I think that like story wise, what their mom's absence brings out is the fact that their dad isn't quite ready to be a single parent, doesn't really know what he's doing, but is like trying his best in a way that like 
subverts i think usually in the western trope you see the dad double down on having to be a single parent by being really mean right. and really aggressive and very like i'm gonna destroy your grotto full of forks or whatever the fuck right um <laughs> and this yeah 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 and this not only is the the mom alive but her relationship to her children is like i thought really well developed mm -hmm. and like I really loved her. And then at the end, they're like, she's going to get better. And you're like, oh, she gets to live? A mom that never lives. Had Mother. Yeah. It's weird that that feels like such a, not even necessarily like a deliberate subversion of, because like, you know, like Miyazaki is Japanese. He's telling stories from his Eastern perspective. I don't think he's like looking at American media and yeah. being like, I have to Watch consciously this. subvert this. He's just like... <laughs> Telling yeah. stories from his culture and, and point of view, just it's it just yeah. better storytelling, right? Yeah, but it just like feels from a Western point of view, like, wow, you can have stories without all this contrived conflict, and it still works as a compelling narrative, right? And that's what watching all these Miyazaki movies, that's like been my experience covering them and watching them. It's just like, oh, you can have a compelling slice of life story about girls and their relatable struggles and their adventures that also often incorporates elements of fantasy, much of which is rooted in East Asian and Japanese mythology. Like there's a lot of uh, Shinto symbology in My Neighbor Totoro, oh, yeah. which I don't know an awful lot about, but based on some research I was doing, you know, that's a big part of... Totoro and you know the narrative that plays out uh but yeah like we've talked about on other Miyazaki movie episodes we've done recently it's just so refreshing to watch these stories that are both culturally specific and universally relatable because they are about girls experiencing life and they're learning and growing and making mistakes and discovering their strengths and navigating the world around them and forming bonds and making friends and having sisters and having families and all the stuff that everybody experiences yeah and i like that you get a little moment of the the parents talking to each other too it just felt like a rare nice look into their relationship mm -hmm. and um their daughters are watching their parents like love each other and watching their uh i mean i just feel like for children of divorce you're like well yeah. great for them sure sure uh, miyazaki but, movie yeah yeah that totally happens all the time at my house too uh but it was just so sweet to, to like have that moment of their kids see that mom is doing better and that they're getting along and it's just like is such a gentle conclusion to the movie i really mm -hmm. loved it yeah yeah and i think it's like you know the for when like Miyazaki grew up, like he's he was born like in 1941. So yeah, like you know, in a way, this kind of reflects his own childhood. I'm sure because they talk about how his own mom like really informed a lot of the characters because his mom had like long term illness and was in the hospital mm -hmm. and then came home. Mm -hmm. So like I think there there's like some biographical sort of energy to that portrayal. But yeah, yeah, there there is. I think and like I think just in like. Growing up, you know, my mom was born in 1947. Like, growing up, like, right after World War II in Japan was, like, you know, it's like it was on an upward trajectory because you're basically rebuilding the country after the war. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think on some level, you wanted, like, nice stories or you, there is something about 
you know, this yearning like for... Like escapist media. Yeah, thing. like for yeah. a pleasant ending to things, especially through a child's lens when you're probably looking at a lot of adults who have a ton of, you know, been through a ton of shit just from everything that's happened, like, yeah. in the country. Mm. But yeah, like, I think all of those, they're so realistic, even though, like, for me, like, you know, my parents, well, marriage wasn't the most pleasant thing, but, like, you kind of see those moments, you're like, yeah, no, that's... That does feel real, even though I may not have seen it, but that feels like real and is mm-hmm. nice. Other people have experienced that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, many other people have, yeah, but I'm like, that, wow, fantastic. <laughs> Giving me the imagination for something. Wow, well, yeah. good for them. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? Um, no, I just, I just think that this is like a really beautiful, thoughtful, sweet movie that I don't know, like just everything that is great about this movie is, I feel like it has everything to do with it being so effortless and yeah. like just letting, what, what I've loved about this chunk of Miyazaki movies that we've covered is that they're all sort of centered around letting kids be curious and like mm-hmm. taking their curiosity about the world around them seriously, even though it's like sometimes, you know, if you watch it back as an adult, you're like, oh, I can see how you know, like this is like could be a metaphorical projection of A, B and C. But you also can watch it as a child or an adult and be like, this is all real. Like it just is so yeah. cool that I, I love that he just like and, and that he I guess that um, I was reading a little bit about his writing process and that May was like pulled from his own niece's mm-hmm. sort of attitude about the world and just like that. I just think it's it's great and it's even better to see young girls curiosity centered in a movie um, because it uh, doesn't happen a lot without it coming with like a really tacked on love story or like their curiosity starts as curiosity but then it somehow ends in marriage yeah suddenly (laughs) she's living with a beast in a castle even though she wanted to explore yes boy boy need save boy need save Mm -hmm. right right and that's like the only place that a woman's curiosity can leave yeah lead is fixing him or (laughs) it leads you to a place that now requires boy need to save you Look what you did, getting all curious and shit. Right, right. But yeah, how I, dare you? I feel this like same way. You know, it's it, it as a child, it captured me because it presented no obstacles to me narratively, like in terms of being like, man, and you, who knows, man, one day you might fucking find a Totoro. Mm-hmm. This this thing didn't reflect back to me that it's dangerous or not going to happen, or adults are gonna con- like treat me with contempt for wanting something to happen that might not be real. And then even as an adult watching it again. I was like even more touched because I really then be I I saw like all of the real nuance that you miss as a kid. Like as a kid, I was just taking it in as like this is like a a really fun frictionless like journey that just feels good and I can feel all kinds of great emotions. And then as an adult, I'm like this is so like this is just so good to watch. You mm-hmm. know, like it's it's so you're you know if, if we like conflict is negative, this is like just taking in so much like positive energy even with like the the you know the dr- like the dramatic elements of it but right. it just feels i don't know nourishing in this very strange way that i didn't find watching it like you know uh, as a kid right it does yeah it does sort of make you think like oh wow there is like when you see a truly beautiful piece of kids media you're like damn i spent all that time watching movies about 
terribly CGI'd talking dogs with (laughs) (laughs) being like, hey, what? I can talk. I mean, also an incredible genre, but (laughs) doesn't hold a candle. Look who's talking now. To the (laughs) beauty of a movie like Totoro. That's true. Um, The last thing I want to say is cat bus facts with Caitlin. Okay. How many nipples are we talking? Well, there's some math involved. Okay. Okay, based on those arms, right? So if cat bus has 12 legs, which is three times the number of legs as a regular cat, and if a regular cat has eight nipples, if you multiply that by three, cat bus has... 24 nipples. Ever think about that? And that's Cat Bus Facts with Caitlin. (laughs) Thank you for indulging me. I love it. Um, (laughs) Does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. With groany boy, with the the barely speaking boy. (laughs) 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 I like that that Miyazaki goes the extra mile and actively removes the voice of at least one male character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a hard time, Kanta, just doing the basics in this one, my man. You can't even give an umbrella. Oh, he's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. You got um, May and Satsuki talk to each other about a bunch of stuff. May and her mom, Satsuki and her mom, Satsuki and May talk to Granny individually. The teacher, I believe that there's an example. Uh, Satsuki talks to her new friend from school. Oh, yes. I do love that they the movie goes out of the way to give her a friend. We don't really learn anything about the friend aside from yeah. her name. Mitchell. Yeah, but... but you're just like, man, Satsuki, she can do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even then, like, it wasn't the daddy like, what? You made a fucking friend? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I got to go. I'm out. Yeah, I'm Satsuki. I'm awesome. Yeah. Um, People going to be jocking my hairstyle for years to come. (laughs) But yeah, lots lots of combinations of characters that pass the Bechdel test. And the movie is like almost constantly passing. Especially because I would argue that even though Totoro and friends are, I think, referred to with like he, him pronouns, they, they gender Totoro as male and Totoro's voice by a male voice actor. A, a, a male Scooby. A male Scooby, do. Uh, I would argue yeah. that Totoro's are genderless. Yeah. I think so. They're sentient pillows. Exactly. With, with great breath. Yeah. You don't need to gender a mutual aid pillow. That's, yeah. that's a genderless entity. Totoro is the concept of mutual aid as a sentient pillow. Like, that's. <laughs> Planting community gardens. I mean, this, this person's fucking legend, Totoro. <laughs> and then the, the point being, when Satsuki and May talk about Totoro, oh. they're talking about a genderless icon. So I think mm-hmm. it, I, I think it absolutely passes the Bechdel test to talk about Totoro. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then that brings us to our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on how the movie fares when examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. I think this is five nipples. I cannot think of a reason why it deserves any less. I think it's a five nipple movie. I love that. And this is a a common thread of all the Miyazaki movies we've covered so far, that it centers girls in a way that like just presents them as being very authentic and just exploring their lives and choices and 
and behaviors and actions in a way that tracks so much better than basically every other story I've ever seen that focuses on girls, Mm. which, as we've discussed, is like kind of surprising considering these movies are made by a man. But when, you know, someone like Miyazaki just has a vested interest in actually like authentically representing girlhood on screen like it can happen it it works he he pulls it off i love the characters i love the relationship between the sisters it's five nipples i want to give one to satsuki one to may one to granny one to the cluster of totoros and one to their mom love it uh, I'm gonna go five as well. I totally agree. I, I I think this movie is so like beautifully done, and I love how it brings in spirituality in a way that is like very, again, just like matter of fact. The way that um, Miyazaki is able to bring in like fantastic and grounded elements is just like a fact of the world. Is like so, it seems so effortless, but like having seen other movies like it's really hard to do it's so beautiful um Mm -hmm. the only thing that i would say so i'm completely on board with everything you're saying caitlin the only thing that really pings for me is more just like behind the scenes stuff of like this is a beautifully told story uh, Mm. about uh childhood and about about, and i I guess about girlhood specifically um so you would hope to see more women uh in prominent roles behind the scenes at a movie like this true which uh you know we always try to be mindful of as well unfortunately uh, in in this case it does appear that all the at least the top titles unless i'm missing something listeners let me know i would love to be wrong but it seems like it is mostly men which is a systemic issue but also you would think miyazaki would have some say in Mm -hmm. uh his crew Mm -hmm. so there is that but in terms of like story-wise and presentation i just think it's like fucking incredible uh, across the board so five nipples and i'm giving them all to cat bus hell yeah yeah miles what about you i mean I, I don't know if i can give five uh just because we arrived at such a great number which is 24 nipples uh-huh. uh, and i think this That's deserves true. 24 nipples for all of the reasons that were stated plus the criticisms which are very valid Overall, I think the other thing too, which is really, fan- I I really don't didn't even really think about is, I never thought of this as being about like a gendered story. That this was like it's about two girls, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I was never as a partially like in real time being he brained boy in the eighties <laughs> and nineties could still look at this and be like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like it had nothing to do like because it wasn't. It, you know why? Because I think it wasn't hitting any of these like weird notes in my brain, which was meant to go, this is supposed to happen, this trope is present, that means this, the story means this, and it allowed me to really engage with something that was just about being curious and innocent and a child. Right. That plus just all the nostalgia for me, you know, I just, uh, it, yeah, uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to split the 12 nipples, 12 to the concept of mutual aid in the form of Totoro, and then 12 to Nekobus. Hell yes. So you're giving the movie 24 nipples. Okay, I see what's happening. Yes, 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 I'm yes. just saying, if we can take the five and multiply them by five, what I, I'm trying to divvy it up. So it would... No, I support into, this. At the conversion rate of nipples, this would be a five <laughs> nipple film. I'm just using a different... I'm using a crypto or nipto currency. 
not Nipto uh, <laughs> Nipto currency is tanking right now. You've got to be careful. Oh, there. not no, not mine. Jamie, I told there. you you should have got in. Should have got in early when I told you. <laughs> I gave my Totoro slurp juice and now there's <laughs> Now there's 800 of them. Oh, yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, I don't fuck with the slurp juice. Straight up Nipto. All Nipto. <laughs> well, here's what happens. If you give the smallest Totoro a slurp juice, you the get two juice. more, including the Scooby Totoro. So, oh, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I'll think about it. We'll offline about it. We'll offline. Look, yeah. it's an investment. Think about it. Nipto coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, dude. I mean, if you want to come to the moon with me, let me know. Because I got, I got room on the spaceship. I got room. Mm, no pressure, but... You're probably going to want I'm not going to be greedy about it. Anybody can get it. Unlimited okay. slurp juices. Uh, <laughs> Miles, thanks for coming back. Oh, thank you for having oh. me. It's always, again, a pleasure and an honor to talk to the both of y'all about film because I don't, I don't know as much. But you, you, you ask me on the ones I can speak relatively well about, so I appreciate that. Miles, you absolutely crushed it. I mean, you've covered three very different genres here. You've done an action <laughs> movie, a holiday movie, and a children's movie. Yeah, all up my alley. I was like, The Rock, I'm like, yep, uh, pretty much. <laughs> You're like, uh, his wife, of course. Yep. Of course. <laughs> was that the movie that inspired you to get married yourself? Absolutely. <laughs> Wow. When I saw how much purpose it gave him <laughs> to stand over a gravestone that said his wife. Yeah. I was like, that's I want that. That's what's missing in my life. I want what they have. Yeah, that's why I'm not <laughs> committing acts of domestic <laughs> chemical terrorism on Alcatraz. Oh god, that movie. Oh, uh, oh goodness. <laughs> anyways, where wow. can we find you on online, Miles? And where can we listen to you? Just find me at Miles of Gray. At Miles of Gray, wherever there's at symbols. Uh, also, Daily Zeitgeist every day. And uh, if you like trash reality shows, check out 420 Day Fiance with Sophie Alexandra and I. Hell yes. Hell yeah. And then you can check out us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. You can check out our Matreon at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you get two bonus episodes every single month, plus access to the whole back catalog of over 100 bonuses. It's a it's a darn delight, if I do say so myself. You can also check out our uh, merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast, and uh, you can follow us online wherever, wherever you find us. I don't think there's anyone impersonating us. We're kind of, we're not, we're not on that level, so... Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you're unique. Yeah, yeah don't, don't sweat it. Uh, with that, I got to get on this cat bus because I got to go save my sister. <laughs> vroom, vroom. Yep, we out. Bye. Bye. Meow, meow. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.